What's your first name, your last name, your email address, your phone number, your address, uh, you know, your, your business that you work for. Yeah, your blood type, name your firstborn child, social security number. And then it's simply just like a message field, right? Yeah. It just says message. Okay. And like next to no context on the page of like what someone's actually doing when they fill that form out. But, you know, it's going to the sales team, right? Hey, y'all. I'm Tyler, and this is The Sales Lift, a sales enablement podcast hosted by yours truly, Tyler Lindley. Today is episode three, using Inbound to help empower your sales efforts with Max Cohen. Max is a product trainer at HubSpot, a CRM, marketing sales and service software tool that's based up out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. Uh, we discuss a ton of great ideas, including what Inbound really means, uh, where software fits into your sales process, how sales really doesn't stop until a successful handoff takes place, and great ideas to make your marketing work better with your sales team. So this is an absolute fire episode. I'm thrilled to bring you the sales lift your business needs right now. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's Tyler Lindley with the Sales Lift. Want to welcome Max Cohen from HubSpot to the show today. Hey, how's it going, Max? It's going good, Tyler. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. Uh, so tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do at HubSpot, Max. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> my role at HubSpot, I am what's called a product trainer. I work on HubSpot's learning and development team. And like my primary focus on that team is facilitating and creating content for and running this program called HubSpot Foundations. So HubSpot Foundations is basically our like first layer of new hire training that folks go through at HubSpot. Um, so I've been on the learning and development team doing that for around, actually it was two years at the beginning of March, which is great. Um, before that, I was an implementation specialist, which is now known as a customer onboarding specialist. And essentially what I would do in that role was help customers get up and running with the HubSpot software after they purchased. Uh, and then I would be sort of an inbound marketing advisor for the first sort of three months of their journey until they worked with their long-term point of contact. So Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So how long have you been at HubSpot? Sounds like a little while now. Yeah, so it's it was it was four years in December, so I'm getting close to that five year mark, and it all blew by extremely quickly. <laughs> um, so it's been a wild ride, but it's been one of the most fulfilling ones I could have ever imagined. Awesome, yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. on the anniversary there coming up. So thank uh, you. Uh, so it sounds like if you do product training, uh, do you train all types of employees, or do, or do you train yes. specific types, or how does that work? literally all kinds. So the, the foundational program that we have, literally every single person at HubSpot goes through either this light version we have, which is around two and a half days or this full seven day training um, that we have. Um, that first like beginning part of the training, it's more like getting to know the company, getting your feet on uh, under you, um, learning like how we sell our product, how we think about our customers, uh, who our customers actually are, just so everyone can like look to their left, look to their right and like understand our common mission and purpose and like why we're here. Uh, and then after that, like the full program includes a lot more, um, you know, in-depth product training and training on the, um, like how we consult, things like that. In terms of like who goes through it, pretty much every single person at the company um, salespeople in particular, when they go through it, this is like their foundational layer of knowledge that they get about our company and about the product. And then there's like additional role specific training that they get in the sales realm after that. So their, their training doesn't end with me. Um, but I see literally every single position at HubSpot that you can imagine come through our training program. Interesting. So it sounds like yeah. as you train your salespeople specifically, as you train them mm -hmm. uh, with product knowledge, what are you, what are you really trying to enable those sales salespeople to do? Like what type of knowledge do you think is most important, most foundational for a sales rep uh, to be able mm -hmm. to learn about any product? Product or service, specifically, obviously, you know, HubSpot, but uh, what do you think is most important for salespeople to learn right off the bat? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think like with sales, it's always super important to really understand like what the product is and what the product isn't, hmm. right? So wanting to make sure they have like a very clear understanding of like why someone would use HubSpot, but more importantly, what's like the bigger picture, right? Um, I always say like, don't buy HubSpot just to like solve one very specific problem that your business has. There's always a bigger picture kind of flywheel that you can build that touches everything from marketing, sales, service, and a lot of the things in between. Um, and so like, 
I do my best to try to make sure that, you know, sales reps along with everybody else, mm -hmm. like know exactly what the tool is capable of, understand the actual goals and challenges that our customers have and are able to kind of take that and use that context to then like be able to talk about why different parts of the tool are actually valuable and they can kind of match that, but not losing sight of like the bigger picture of, you know, where you're ultimately going to get a ton of value out of HubSpot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the last thing that I would want a salesperson doing is like positioning the product uh, in a way where like, you know, it's, it's not necessarily representative of what the product actually does or like pigeonholing customers into only think it's going to do like that one very specific thing they set out to do. Cause like in most situations, like, yeah, can it be a great point solution for you? Absolutely. But are you leaving a lot of value on the table when you're not seeing the bigger picture? Yeah, absolutely. So I try to make sure that, you know, sales reps, understand this bigger picture as best they can. So they can use that to ask the right questions when they're working with their prospects to really uncover all the different things that HubSpot can do for them. And that doesn't necessarily mean like you have to sell them on every single thing that does right away. But I think sales reps have this really important responsibility to be able to open up customers' minds to the possibility beyond what they're looking to solve at that moment. And HubSpot is a tool that like you need to have that bigger picture thinking mm -hmm. to really get the most out of it and deploy this whole inbound thing that we, we talk about. Um, so like, yeah, for me, it's like, yeah, you want to know how to use the individual tools. You want to understand like what it does, its limitations, things like that, but also be, you know, able to enthusiastically talk about, you know, the bigger picture problems that you can solve using HubSpot beyond what a customer initially or initially like finds us for starts that conversation about. Right. Yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, it sounds like to me as well, when you're, you're thinking about onboarding these sales reps, uh, product knowledge is obviously step one. What, what happens from there? You talk, you mentioned a little bit more role specific. What do you think yeah. would be a next natural step? If, if you've armed a sales rep with at least a baseline product knowledge, what do you think is mm -hmm. the most important next step to teach a sales rep at that point once they have that product knowledge? Yeah, 100%. So, um, you know, during that sales foundational training that kind of happens afterward, I like to think of that as sort of introducing those sales reps like into our own like eternal or internal ecosystem that we have mm -hmm. in terms of like how our sales, you know, organization actually operates. And there's a lot of stuff behind there that's important to understand once you have this like base level understanding of what the product is, what inbound is, who our customers and the bigger picture, you need to learn like kind of how to operate within, you know, our sales organization here, right? So that's what, um, you know, sales foundation does. So they're doing anything from there or anything in there from like learning how to use, you know, our instance of HubSpot, how we have a lot of things set up. We use a lot of our own tools, our own productivity tools. Um, you know, the same ones that our customers are actually purchasing from us. And we have those set up in very specific ways in order to make your day a lot easier and show you how to prospect and work within your territory. Um, but also to learn how to like work within your organization, mm -hmm. uh, the different tactics and playbooks that we use in order to help our customers make informed decisions about purchasing HubSpot or about deploying inbound. Um, and then there's a big culture element to it too, right? So like we have a very good culture at HubSpot uh, and that, you know, bleeds into our sales organization as well. Are, are we, we have people who specifically work on culture within sales and that's like their full-time role. Wow. So there's like a lot that sales foundations kind of, you know, introduces a lot of folks to within that very specific, you know, role of being in sales at HubSpot, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. That's interesting. So uh, yeah. as you think about, it sounds like you've mentioned this idea of inbound um, and mm -hmm. I heard you talk about the flywheel as well. I don't know that all of our yeah. audience uh, really understands exactly what that means. Can you elaborate a little bit more on what, what do you mean by inbound and what is this flywheel concept that you're, that you're talking about? Got it. Yeah. So the idea of inbound, and it, I'm, I'm going to try to do this as succinctly as possible, because <laughs> like while inbound is inherently a pretty simple concept, especially when you think about the flywheel, um, if you dive deeper and zoom in, there's a lot of moving parts and it can get a little bit complex, right? So to understand like inbound, like just the word inbound, we kind of have to like go back a little bit to understand inbound marketing hmm. and what that was, right? So the whole idea of inbound marketing, and we'll start there, is that, you know, people have really changed the way that they buy because of the invention of the internet, right? <laughs> when the internet came along, 
information was democratized and the salesperson was no longer the gatekeeper of all the information that you would need in order to make an informed decision about buying something, mm -hmm. right? With the internet now, all the information's at your fingertips, right? And, you know, the thing with inbound marketing is that it kind of mirrors basic human decision-making when they have a problem, mm -hmm. right? When we all have an issue, we tend to find an answer to that problem, right? When we have some sort of goal or have some sort of challenge, we go try to find an answer to that, a way to solve it or a way to get closer to achieving that goal or challenge that we have, right? And the best tool that we have in the world to do that is Google, <laughs> right? Or any other search engine. Right. Maybe you're using Ask Jeeves. It really doesn't <laughs> matter, right? There's lots of different search engines out there. Obviously, Google's the big right. one. But the whole idea of inbound marketing was instead of interrupting people mm -hmm. with advertisements, okay, instead of uh, using billboards, you know, which, you know, I guess interrupts your view of like the city skyline <laughs> or distracts you on your commute right. or television commercials, which, you know, some are funny and can be like, you know, entertaining and things like that. But when you think about it, it's interrupting what you're there for, which is to watch that basketball game, to watch that TV show, watch that movie, whatever it is. Yep. Um, you know, even disruptive cold calls from salespeople, right? These are all tactics that, you know, when we think of outbound marketing, basically interrupt you. Mm -hmm. The whole idea with inbound marketing was actually creating content that people will find on their own, hmm. right? And there's like a special little thing that happens there when someone finds the information on their own at their own volition, because that's what they're actively seeking and trying to do. When they digest and receive and con consume that information, they're doing it because they went out and tried to find it. So it's like satisfying mm -hmm. is like one thing, but the other thing is like, you didn't have to interrupt them for them to get that value. True. Okay. Um, so the whole idea with inbound marketing, again, is putting that content out there and people finding it, learning different ways to solve for a specific challenge that they have or get closer to achieving a certain goal that they have through your content. And again, when I say content, I'm saying like blog posts, downloadable content offers like eBooks, white papers, infographics, you name it. Video is a huge part of the equation. Mm -hmm. Audio, podcasts like this, mm -hmm. right? This is all like examples of content. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea was put the content out there. So when someone actually consumes it, they start to build a lot of trust in you because you're positioning yourself as a thought leader in the space. Therefore they make the decision on, oh, okay, like you obviously know a whole lot about this subject. Uh, maybe you've educated me to the point where I know I need to purchase something. Mm -hmm. Now I can go ahead and take the hand raise and say, I'm ready to talk to the salesperson mm -hmm. versus the salesperson reaching out to me, interrupting me and trying to sell me something when they haven't even like earned the right to say that, you know, you need to buy what I have. Okay. Right. So that was inbound marketing, right? Basically creating content to attract people uh, versus actually just interrupting them with like common advertising tactics. That's, that's it in a nutshell. Okay. Inbound now, like we don't just refer to it as inbound marketing, like inbound marketing is definitely a piece of it. Mm -hmm. When we say inbound now, we're referring to this bigger thing called the inbound methodology. Hmm. Okay. So the inbound methodology is in three phases that all kind of feed into each other. Okay. That's where this idea of the flywheel comes from. Right. The three stages are attract, engage, and delight. Okay. So the whole idea of attract is that you're still creating content that people are actually looking for. Yeah. That's the key with content creation. Engaging them basically means once they've, you know, built enough trust with you where they're willing to give you their information for additional content, that's when you start lead nurturing in a human manner. That's when you start different conversations with people at your company. This is kind of where you'd think the sales process would usually start to take place. Um, and then delight basically takes place after someone becomes a customer. Mm -hmm. You need to delight them. You need to make good on your promise. You need to make sure you're there for them when they need you and you provide a great experience and legitimately make them successful with whatever your product or service is. So they want to scream your name from the mountaintops <laughs> and refer all their friends, refer all their colleagues. You know, if they go and work for another company, like, you know, pound on the table until mm -hmm. they can get your product or service again at that company. And that bleeds into the attract phase because when you create happy customers and successful customers, that's the more important one, mm -hmm. they will be your best advocates and they become part of your marketing mix. Right. right? Now the one like little disclaimer I want to give when I talk about, you know, that that's more of like the holistic view of like, you know, how you're attracting, how you're engaging and how you're delighting. Mm -hmm. But the biggest misconception is that like only marketing teams attract people, only sales teams engage people and only service teams delight people. Hmm. 
Every single person at your company, it doesn't matter what they do, whether they're in marketing, sales, or service, can attract, engage, and delight in their own way. So it's not just one team is working on one part of the flywheel, another team is working on another. Everyone can do it. Um, that's the very basics of like the flywheel and yeah. in, inbound uh, as easy as I can make it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's, it it's was tough. pretty clear. Yeah. Especially without a visual. I, I saw you uh, drawing that flywheel a little bit. Spinning so, my hand. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely think the concept uh, resonates and I, yeah, thank you for explaining that to the audience. Sure. I also think, you know, you mentioned, uh, you bring up a really good point there is that it's not just marketing's job to attract. It's not just mm -hmm. sales job to engage, right? Engage. It's not yep. just service job to delight. It's actually everyone's job, regardless of your role mm -hmm. or your function, to kind of do a little bit of everything this day and age. I think, you know, it used to be, I guess, a little bit more siloed, but now successful companies are realizing that, you know, all of these client-facing roles are really handling every single part of that buyer's journey. As we you think betcha. about sales reps, um, you know, mm -hmm. is it sales reps job now to, you know, market for their company? You know, should they be putting out content and things themselves? Um, and if so, like, well, then what is marketing doing? Where does marketing fit into that? If a sales rep is, is kind of and responsible for maybe generating some of that uh, demand, sure. you know, what, how can marketing support that? And how, how would that work? It just seems like it could get messy quick. Yeah, totally. And like, could it get messy? A hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> Let me give you maybe an example of like how, when we think of attract, engage and delight for salespeople, like what that literally means. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, you know, when we think about attract, oftentimes with sales folks that can sometimes translate into making yourself as available as you possibly can and making it very easy for people to get time on your calendar or to engage with you or talk to you, mm -hmm. um, you know, when they're ready to raise their hand, when they're, you know, they've done enough research and they are just kind of at the stage where they're like, yeah, I'd like to talk to someone about like buying something, right? How can we do that? Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, that's something very simple as like, you know, making your calendar available for people to book with you, right? That's like a very hyper simplistic like version of it. Yep. Um, if we kind of go up a level, I mean, you mentioned sales folks creating content, right? I mean, what a better way to build trust in yourself as a sales rep to go out and be enthusiastic about the goals and challenges that your customers have and using platforms like video or working with the sales team to create blog content from the sales team that helps their customers make informed decisions. Mm -hmm. You know, you can totally do that. I would say if you're a sales rep and you're thinking of like, how can I create content to help attract people? It should absolutely be a team effort with the marketing team, right? You want to make sure that your, uh, your messaging and what you're talking about is consistent and you're not putting two different stories out there, mm -hmm. right? So you should have a very consistent messaging across, you know, really all parts of your business. But like, if you wanted to go out there and be a content creator and you're on the sales team, like your sales team isn't going to, I mean, your marketing team probably isn't going to push back on that, right? <laughs> like they're going to, you know, for the most part, probably, you know, like as much help as they can get because content creation is the hardest part. I'll give you one other example. Um, a lot of times what I see when we talk about people getting that first sort of hand raised with sales mm -hmm. is that like whatever conversion it is on your website, whatever form mm -hmm. someone fills out that gets people in touch with the sales team, right? One of the biggest things that I would do when I was an implementation specialist, when I first started working with customers is I would go on their website and I would try to sniff out where this conversion path was, mm -hmm. right? And usually what I'd be finding are plain old boring contact us pages, yep. right? Where there's pretty much next to no copy <laughs> on the page. Name, last name. <laughs> yeah. What's your first name, your last name, your email address, your phone number, your address, uh, right. you know, your blood type, your business that you work for. Yeah. Your blood type, <laughs> name your firstborn child, social security number. And then it's simply just like a message field, yep. right? It just says message. Okay. And like next to no context on the page of like what someone's actually doing when they fill that form out, but you know, it's going to the sales team, right? That's like one of the worst things to do because what you're offering there in this attract phase, if you will, or at the tail end of the attract phase, at least is just sort of like a choose your own adventure. And you're not hmm. saying there's any value in the conversation that you're going to have behind it. So like one of the biggest things I talk about with, you know, with sales teams is saying like, okay, Talk to me about that first conversation that you have with a prospect, mm -hmm. okay? When they get passed over to you for marketing, all right? Tell me about that conversation. And generally what people tell me is like, oh, well, 
you know, we try to really dig into what their goals and challenges are and understand their business and try to let them walk away with some tips and tricks on things they can do and really make sure if they're a good fit before we start kind of peddling the product on them or talking about if they should purchase from us or not. And so I sit there and I hear this, Mm -hmm. right? And I say, why don't you tell people that? Why don't you have a landing page that literally advertises that valuable conversation that you're going to have with someone Mm -hmm. instead of just like a form that says, talk to sales or request a quote or contact us, right? The thing is, is like when you think about pages or landing pages that say that, talk to sales or request a quote, you're only going to get people who are that far at the tail end of their buyer's journey that actually want to talk to sales. And you're not going to open up any conversations with people who are like closer to the end, but not ready to have a sales type conversation yet. So one of the biggest things that I tell sales teams to do to really have an impact on that attract stage right before it goes into engage is create some sort of conversational offer, right? that advertises the conversation that you're going to have, excuse me. And in the way that you position it and the copy that you have, when someone reads, you know, the copy next to this form that they're about to fill out, tell them what you're going to talk about, tell them how you're going to contact them, but also make sure they understand the value that they're going to walk away from as part of, you know, in part of having, as a result of having that conversation, Mm -hmm. even if they don't purchase from you. (laughs) right? Because you're not adding any value to that conversation at the beginning. And no one's going to want to book that if, you know, they are not like immediately ready to buy, right? So you want to say, you want to be positioning things like, yeah, you're talking to the sales team, but the conversation is more of like an evaluation Mm -hmm. or a consultation or an assessment, Mm -hmm. right? That person booking that is going to learn something no matter what. And they're going to be delighted from that conversation. See where I'm going here, right? Um, And actually want to book that first conversation and kick that relationship off with the sales rep, even if they're not at that very end stage where they're just looking to send someone a purchase order and buy something. Right. Right. So that's, that's the big thing in terms of like engaging with sales teams, you know, that has to do with having a very efficient sales process and one that's like, you know, delightful to go through, if you will. So it's like not jumping down people's throats, not hounding them, not being Mm -hmm. too aggressive, not being too pushy. If you don't need to, you should be there to help not to sell. Right. I think that's like a big mindset change that I really like, you know, force on a lot of people and like, you know, I came from a sales background. Like I did four years at Apple doing business to business sales, mm. mind you with no quota, but really high <laughs> metrics, which is a very interesting story Sounds we can talk confusing. about another time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, but like, you know, when we talk about engage, it's all about being efficient in the way that you communicate with people, not letting things fall through their cracks, mm-hmm. making it very easy for people to contact you when they need you. And also like working on their schedule too, as well. Right. You need to remember that like other folks like have a lot of things going on in their lives. they these are humans that you're talking to. They're very busy. Their needs and goals and challenges and like what's right for them should always kind of come before your quota. Right. Um, Like I truly believe that if you sell with good intentions and you truly go out there to help people solve for their goals and challenges that like revenue and hitting your quota is going to be a byproduct of that. You know what I mean? And in terms of like delight, you need to make sure that purchasing process is a delightful experience, right? Again, and that kind of leads to the way that you engage with them, Hmm. but you want to make sure that they have all the information that they need to make an informed decision. You need to truly believe in your, in your heart of hearts that what they're purchasing is legitimately going to help them and not try to deceive people, Hmm. right? That's the biggest thing. Um, I think the, the biggest thing that can make like the sales process go wrong especially when we talk to like swooping up into that delight stage is when someone has buyer's remorse Mm -hmm. and like, you're not there to kind of help them through that. Right. You don't want it to be a situation where it's like, okay, we bought and then our sales rep never talked to us again. Right. So ensuring that you're following up, passing on like your best, um, uh, ideas and uh, suggestions for whoever is going to be carrying on that relationship with them after. So you know that like, they're going to continue to be successful in the way that you envisioned. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a lot. It's, it, it goes very deep, but you know, just a little example about how everyone can have a hand in each right. part of the flywheel. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you mentioned was that conversational offer. I like that. I've never heard it phrased quite like that, but I like mm-hmm. that. And that you're, you're selling value in that first meeting, regardless of whether they choose yeah. to continue the process, there's value in that first meeting. For um, sure. We also talked about, it, it sounds to me like, 
maybe sales reps could also, you know, kind of position that conversational offer themselves. I mean, do you think yeah. that obviously marketing could helping to create a landing page and, and driving someone through a, a path to get to that process of where they get to that conversational offer. But do you mm -hmm. think that sales reps themselves could maybe position, you know, position themselves, create some content and then they themselves are positioning that conversational offer. Do you think that would work or? Yes. Okay. I think that's a great idea. Like I, I think trades Transparency is a huge thing that everyone should embrace, right? Like, why not go out there and create content about what your sales process is like, hmm. right? I mean, I think the people that, the, the, a lot of folks are hesitant to jump into a sales process because they think there's a whole bunch of hidden agendas <laughs> and sneaky type stuff that salespeople are going to do just to get them to buy, right. right? But like, you could absolutely go out there and create some video content saying like, hey, you know, this first conversation that we have, it's all about you. It's all about understanding, like whatever it is that you're, you know, yep. that ails you, whatever your challenges are. And, you know, through this conversation, we're hoping you're going to walk away with a lot of great tips and ideas and guidance and um, advice that will help you make a difference in your business. And yeah, you know, if we think that it's a, you'd be a great fit for what we, you know, we sell or what we do, we'll tell you and we'll have a conversation with it, but we'll be just as transparent if we think you're not a good mm -hmm. fit. And then we'll make some suggestions for you to go elsewhere. Yep. If you can get like if you can build any sort of content that eliminates the stigma of the sales process that everyone is just so used to mm. you know i think you'd have an easier time getting people willing to throw that hand up mm -hmm. and start that conversation like transparency is huge and like here's the thing if you truly believe that your product or service actually benefits people and can have an impact in their lives and their business and their career, whatever it is, you shouldn't have any problem being transparent about what your sales, you know, experience right. actually looks like because, you know, at the end of the day, as long as you're behind what you're selling, you're not trying to lie to people. You're not trying to deceive them. You're not trying to be tricky in the way that you sell. You're truly helping them and not selling. So like transparency can only benefit you at that point. And I think content creation around your sales process and telling people how good that experience is actually going to be, you know, and how on their side of the table you're going to be is like, is a fantastic idea. And I don't see a lot of people do it. We really should be. Yeah. No, I totally, yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. I like making it all about them, uh, all about what they stand to benefit instead of mm -hmm. coming across as self-serving, which I think sometimes marketing and sales, you know, messaging can be, can it's appear so to be self-serving, uh, which I yeah. think is a negative. We need to put it in the context of the, of the prospect or of the client and their situation, their problems, what they can, what we can do to help solve, uh, get them closer to their goals. So, uh, exactly. Um, what, I mean, we've kind of been talking about sales enablement without actually, you know, bringing up the word, if you will, but I'd love to <laughs> yeah. hear kind of what are your, what does sales enablement mean to you? Um, what, when you think about, sales enablement? How would you define mm -hmm. it? What does it mean to you? Uh, how would somebody go about doing that? Like, what, what does that really mean to you, Max? Yeah, that's a good question. So, I mean, sales enablement, like in itself sounds very simple, but like there's a lot of nuances throughout the sales process. There's a lot of interesting personalities that you deal with. There's a lot of different challenges that your customers can have. And then when you multiply that by how every single business is different and every single customer is different, the definition of it can get yeah. like quite messy, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to try not to give it like a blanket definition that kind of applies to everything, <laughs> but I'll tell you like what at least I think is super important when it comes to sales enablement, sure. right? So I think the whole idea is like when you're doing sales enablement, quote unquote, you're, you know, and you put this through the proper context of like providing the right training, choosing the right mix of modalities and the way that you deliver your training and facilitating as well as any coaching that is kind of ongoing throughout the entire thing. Um, I'd say like the two lowest hanging fruits, right, is making sure your sales reps are set up for success, not only from like a technology standpoint. Mm -hmm. So like what tools are they using? Why would they use certain tools? How do they use certain tools, right? But also like the playbook that your sales team is actually running, right? So the tactics that you have, the metrics that help you measure your success, how to get from A to B when it comes to meeting your goals and meeting your quota, mm -hmm. um, but also making sure you're putting the customer at the center of everything that you do, right? So not only do you have to have a very deep understanding of what your product or your service is, and that's obviously very important and that's kind of an ongoing thing as products and services change or products and services change over time. And, you know, you might be selling one thing one year and then a year later, what you're selling completely changes. So obviously it's very important that you deploy a lot of training and coaching yeah. that 
keeps your sales reps up to date with that. But even more importantly, making sure that like sales reps have the proper soft skills and know how to ask the right questions that help them really uncover the true goals and challenges that their customers has. Hmm. Cause at the end of the day, you could be, you know, the, the smartest person in the room when it comes to understanding what your product and service does. But if you can't take that knowledge and information and view it through the context of what your goals and challenges are of your customer, mm -hmm then, you know, it, it's kind of hard for you to like use any of that knowledge in a meaningful way and like transfer that knowledge over to the customer in a way that'll make sense and have an impact on them. Right. Um, and I think the other thing too, when it comes to sales enablement, like if you're in some sort of sales enablement position or, you know, you're, you're the person in charge of like ensuring that your sales team is set up for success, you can't really approach you know, sales enablement without thinking about marketing and sales alignment, as well as sales and your customer success service or support, however you want to think about it, alignment as well, hmm. right? The handoff between marketing and sales and the teamwork between marketing and sales is extremely important. You can't have those two organizations be in a silo. Uh, and the same goes for any of your service or support teams after that, right? There needs to be a great relationship between all three of them. And sales enablement has a hand in that because you need to educate people on the best ways to work with these other teams, communicate with these other teams, collaborate with these other teams, uh, and try to dig yourself out of any silo that you're in, which with younger companies, like that's going to happen. It's just like a natural thing that happens. You get a marketing team that grows in one direction. You get a sales team that grows in another. All of a sudden they're super far apart, not on the same page. And like, you can't have a successful sales team without a marketing team that's working hand in hand with them and on the same page. Right. Yeah. So that's the big stuff that I think is like super important. Um, one little note on like choosing the right modality. And when I say modality, what, what I mean is that? like, yeah. are you, do yeah, let's, let's get into that. So when I say modality, and this is the trainer inside of me speaking, um, the modality is how you deliver the training, right? So like you can think of a couple of different ways to deliver trainings as instructor led sessions. That would be an instructor or a subject matter expert at the front of the room leading a discussion around a certain subject or training someone on a certain subject. There's also a virtual instructor led session, which is the same thing, only like you're over zoom this way, but you take a little bit of a different approach to ensure that the knowledge transfer is happening and everyone's involved and it's very inclusive. But then there's also like e-learnings, videos, mm. uh, team challenges and workshops. Like there's all these different ways you can deliver the knowledge. When it comes to sales folks, however, the one thing you have to remember is that like their days are pretty hectic, mm -hmm. right? They're very rapid fire. They're making a lot of phone calls. They're having a lot of meetings. They don't have a ton of time in their day to go and sit in like a one hour training about a certain subject, right? So you have to be very tactical about how you incentivize them to take the trainings, to learn the information, also how you work with them to get time in their schedule and make it very easy for them to consume it, mm -hmm. right? So instead of thinking about, you know, having required mandatory one hour trainings, maybe you help them like block off time in their calendar to do like a half hour e-learning to keep them up to date with things. Or if you're doing some sort of, you know, uh, webinar or some sort of like training that you're doing that everyone should be a part of ensuring that you're recording that and, mm -hmm. you know, adding closed captions to it and then delivering it to them so they can consume it on their own time when they have the time to, right? Because the thing is, you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of sales reps don't see value in going and doing anything else that doesn't help them talk to more customers, build their quota and things like that, because their role in their job kind of depends on that, right? So they need to make sure anytime they're taking away from doing any learning or training or anything. So the other thing you have to do there is explain to them, okay, we're going to have you do this training, but how is it actually going to be valuable to your role, mm -hmm. right? You need to incentivize and be able to do it and let them know they're going to walk away better from it than in having not taken right. that training, right? So it's tough just because their days are so, I mean, you know, right? The, the day of a sales rep is very rapid fire and you're doing a lot. You're making a lot of phone calls. You're smiling and dialing, right? Um, you don't have a lot of other stuff you don't have a lot of time in the day for personal development, right? And a big piece of that is like building a culture of learning too as well, mm -hmm. which is a whole other topic, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. No, I definitely agree that there needs to be an internal sale to the sales team um, when you're talking mm -hmm. about 
training and when you're talking about aligning with marketing and when you're talking about you know new things that could help them do their job better or faster or more efficient i definitely think that part of it is selling them a little bit on the value if you will internally yeah. because at the end of the day like you said sales reps are busy they have lots going on yeah. their days are long and and lots of phone calls and lots of things happening such that you know internal meetings can seem to just slow things down at some point so uh, so i think sure. you've got to work on the messaging internally uh, that that goes to the sales team to say hey this matters and this is why um, so why don't mm-hmm. you block this 30 minutes to do x y and z for me so uh, yeah what's the value in it why right Right, exactly. Totally. Just like just like they're 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 doing the same thing with their prospects and their clients. You've got to do the same thing internally. So for uh, sure. Yeah. No, that's it's it's such an interesting uh, point and idea. Do you feel like? Um, I mean, what else do you think? Um, and sorry, our our connection I think is a little bit slow. Uh, can you still hear me? Okay, Max. Yeah, I got you. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Uh, just wanted to make sure that uh that internet was slowing down like we talked about might happen. So yeah. uh, got it. Um, it's all good. Yeah, but uh. What else do you think in terms of marketing and sales alignment as we think about how can we get these two groups? Because from what I've seen in companies that I've been at, sometimes it's a very adversarial relationship. I mean, when you're thinking mm-hmm. about, you've got the marketing team on one side, the sales team on the other side, and you know, the, even though the two should have the same goals, yeah, there is a lot of a lot of fighting <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of uh, you know just no, yeah non-productive uh, conversations and discussions, and it's it's finger pointing. How do you feel like you can first of all just change the tone of that relationship? Relationship, um, and such that it, it becomes, you know, it becomes a more impactful type of situation versus adversarial. I think, you know, that's important. Do you, any ideas or thoughts around what you've seen work well there? Or? Yeah, totally. So I've worked with tons of marketing and sales teams that have had this issue, like, like <laughs> almost, I don't want to say everyone, but like almost every single customer that I worked with um, when I was doing implementation, when I asked them, what's your relationship look like with your sales team? They would say, there is no relationship, right? Wow. <laughs> and where they'd interact with their sales team was like, they'd say, okay, we get all these leads. And at the end of the day or at the end of the week, we just email them over to sales. And then it kind of goes into a black hole. And we don't really know what happens, right? <laughs> so when you do that, when there's like, when the only relationship between marketing and sales is like, sending over leads Mm -hmm. and there isn't like a huge level of communication there. That's where a lot of like the either like resistance or animosity I think comes from, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you think about the marketing team, they're just like, Oh, we're doing all of this work to like capture all these leads and send them over to sales. And we have no idea what's happening to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And that creates a lot of friction for the marketing team because ultimately they're trying to justify everything that they're doing and all the time and effort and resources and energy that they're spending, uh, you know, they're trying to be able to quantify, like, how is that having an impact on the bottom line? How is it actually having an impact on sales? How is it actually impacting our sales team, our sales process, and ultimately the amount of customers that we're generating, so on and so forth. That gets even tougher when you're trying to deploy an inbound strategy at a company that's never done inbound before. Because the higher ups are going to be like, why are you making all this content? Why are you spending so much time blogging? Why are you spending so much time on social? (laughs) And you stop sending out direct mail and like all this other stuff that we're used to doing. So there's a, there, like, I think the animosity from the marketing side mm-hmm. comes from that place of like, I don't know what's happening to these leads. And I'm also just getting a lot of pressure from up top because we're going into this new world of how we're marketing our company, right? From the sales team perspective, I think a lot of the animosity comes from like, oh, we're getting all these leads and most of them are garbage, right? (laughs) And like, we're calling a lot of people. They like, you know, didn't know sales was reaching out to them. They didn't expect that their information was going to be given to a sales rep. They didn't, um, you know, want to talk to a sales rep, right? And, you know, maybe they're not a high quality lead. So like I use the example of, um, you know, there's a uh, lead scoring is something that I recently made a video of. And, you know, I've seen a lot of like businesses trying to use this like lead scoring model of using one single number to measure, you know, uh, how good of a fit someone is versus how, uh, 
engaged they are, mm-hmm. right? So like maybe they're sending leads over to these folks with like these numeric lead scores and they're high, but like sometimes sales teams would say like, well, this person was very engaged, but they were like a student doing research. So like they're not a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. Or this person had a high score because they were a really good fit, but they weren't really, you know, engaged with us and they were just kind of wondering why we were reaching out in the first place, mm-hmm. right? These kinds of mistakes and issues happen when marketing and sales like aren't working closely together, mm-hmm. right? So the question is, is like, how do you bridge that gap? Well, I think like at a very minimum, what you need to do is you need to like approach fixing that relationship with some sort of service level agreement and some sort of like monthly, monthly marketing meeting. So sales and marketing is <laughs> marketing right. is how we say sales and marketing alignment. So I think like that's one of the first things that you can do, right? And a good way to kind of start that conversation out is to start thinking about your marketing qualified leads and your sales qualified leads tightly defining what those are and then coming up with a determination on like who's responsible for what, right? So a very basic, simple idea of this is like, if you're starting to track how many marketing qualified leads that you're getting, which again, everyone can define this a little bit differently, but the way that I view it is a marketing qualified lead would be someone who's gone through a lot of your content and has given that hand raise to say, yes, I'd like to talk to sales. And then it hands over to sales. And then sales qualified leads would be leads that like sales has kind of reviewed, looked over and either further qualified to say, yes, this is a good lead. No, it's not a good lead. Mm -hmm. Right. So the whole idea with like developing a service level agreement where like people are responsible on both sides for hitting certain metrics. Like, you know, it's the responsibility of sales to hit certain amount of deals opened or revenues closed, Mm -hmm. things like that. But if you can come up with a really good way of defining your marketing qualified leads and then your sales qualified leads, what you can do is when you have these marketing meetings, right? You can say, Hey, sales, marketing sent over X amount of qualified or marketing qualified leads. Like let's say a hundred. Okay. And then if sales says, well, only 20 of those marketing qualified leads that you sent over uh, were marked as sales qualified or like went through our kind of rubber stamp process and said like, Hey, yeah, these are good leads. So what happens there is just by getting a little bit smarter with your metrics and having open conversations about them, you now like, have the ability to tell when marketing and sales are not aligned on what a good lead actually is. And when you can identify that problem, you open up the door for a conversation, Mm -hmm. which leads to better collaboration between those two teams. Mm -hmm. Right? So it's like, great marketing, since we're sending over these leads and they're not, you know, they're not meeting your minimal quality standards or it's not who you're looking for. Why don't we have a better discussion Mm -hmm. around what a good lead actually is? Right. And that fosters a whole ton of collaboration because every month you're going back to that, you know, marketing meeting and you're taking a look at how you're moving the needle and changing things in terms of are the leads coming over the leads that sales are actually looking for. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think just like by, you know, getting a little bit smarter about your data and having a really basic service level agreement, if you don't have one already, right. Can do wonders for at least kickstarting that relationship with marketing and sales, right? Every business is going to be a little bit different. Every there, you know, you're going to have marketing teams and sales teams that have, you know, a poor history just because they don't talk to each other Mm -hmm. or a poor history because like one is wrong to the other in the past, or they just don't (laughs) agree on things fundamentally. But you know, the one thing that I think everyone can get behind is data and thinking about that tactically. Yep. No, I agree. My dog's barking right now. So if you hear a dog in the background, that's what that is. (laughs) No worries. Um, I mean, to summarize what you just said, what I heard there, it, how, how would you set up this, you know, marketing and sales alignment within your organization? First of all, you need to talk. You need to have a yes. marketing meeting on a regularly scheduled mm-hmm. basis, weekly, biweekly, monthly, whatever works. You need to have a clear definition of what a marketing qualified lead and a sales qualified lead is and make sure that both groups are aligned on those definitions. And then there needs to be some type of service level agreement as to how the two teams are going to communicate with each other and and the responsibilities of who's going to handle what. Um, did, did I summarize that right? Did I leave anything off yeah. there, Max? No, that's, that's correct. And like the one thing I would sort of add to that, right, is if that relationship is going to be built because someone from the top looked down and told you to do that, mm-hmm. the relationship's not going to start because it feels forced, hmm. right? What I would tell any marketer or any sales folk or any salespeople, <laughs> right? Anyone that like manages a sales team, yeah. or even if you're like an individual sales rep at a smaller company and you're either like a marketing director, or even if you're just like a, a you know, an entry level marketer that's like running social media or something right. like that. It's much better if you can just come to the conclusion that, Hey, 
obviously a better relationship with my sales or my marketing team is going to have good benefits for my performance and what we're trying to do as a company. I'd say if those teams, it's much better for you to like reach out horizontally and say like, Hey, Mm. we genuinely want to work together better versus in like taking the proactive steps to do that versus just having it come from like a direction from up above. Cause then you're just like, all right, mom and dad are putting us in the same room so we can work out our differences versus, Hey, marketing extended the olive branch to us because they genuinely want to work together better or, you know, vice versa. Right. So I think it's really important for those teams to come to that conclusion that like, you're just going to have a much better time if you have a better relationship with that other organization versus waiting for someone else to see the poor performance Mm -hmm. in realize that's the issue and then tell you to do it like without either one of you, you know, initiating that relationship. Yeah. No, I totally Take agree. The initiative is all I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. I think it means a lot more when it comes from, which at the end of the day, if I am a sales leader or individual sales rep, or I'm a marketing leader or individual marketing contributor, I should want to, I should want to reach across the aisle. I should understand Collaborate. that my success depends on the sales team actually closing some of those deals and, and sales yes. reps should know that I can't create all the deals myself. I need help from marketing. So, um, mm-hmm. if the two can get aligned, at least on the fact that we're, we're in this together, we have the same goals. Uh, I think yes. it would lead to better conversations. So, uh, um, yep. You had something else to add? You can't man? celebrate if you don't collaborate. <laughs> collaborate first. Yeah. Celebrate later. I like that. I like that. Is that your personal slogan or where did you get that? I just made it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. That should go on a bumper sticker. That might be the, yeah. uh, that might be the it's title true. of this podcast episode. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> there you um, go. well, I, I'd love to, uh, wrap up here today. Uh, like to do a quick lightning round with a few questions that I like to ask uh, most of the guests and, uh, mm-hmm. and then, um, we can, and, uh, let them let everybody know where uh, where they can find you. So uh, so kind of get into the lightning round a little bit, Max. Uh, what is one software tool or app, uh, whether on your phone or on your computer, that you couldn't live without? Yeah. So the one that I use uh, on a day to day, even like a second to second <laughs> basis almost is the home app home. on the iPhone. So the home app is basically an app that... Um, lets you connect all of your different smart home devices to. Uh, so think of like home kit security cameras mm-hmm. or uh, different locks that you have on the door or all your lights. If you got like Hue lights or any other, you know, smart home connected device. And it's just great because like I am a, uh, uh, a serial offender or a repeat offender when it comes to going to bed and leaving every single light mm. on in the house. Right. So instead of like going around and flicking everything and turning everything off, I can simply go into bed, realize I left all the lights on and then just tell Alexa or open up my phone and tell Siri right. to close, you know, to shut off all my lights <laughs> and turn everything off. That way I don't have to like get up and walk around right. and do it like a Neanderthal. <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the home app is, is cool. like, I use that a thousand times a day. Yeah. yeah. That technology has come a long way. So, uh, Oh, it's great. Um, yeah. Next question. What one book uh, had a big impact on your life or your career? Yep. Cool. So I actually got a good one for this. So um, it would be, dude, you're going to be a dad, which is a, um, I'd forgotten about this one earlier when we talked about it, but dude, you're going to be a dad. Uh, It's basically just like a small paperback book Mm -hmm. that just prepares first time dads for being dads. Um, I've got a one-year-old daughter. Her name's Eliza. She is just the, the, all the brightness and the joy of of my life. She's amazing. Um, But like, I had no idea what to expect to be a dad (laughs) for the first time. And you know, the, the book, kind of took you through all the stages of like pregnancy and really helped you kind of get into the mind of like what your partner's thinking about and what they're experiencing. And I got to tell you, man, it, it, it was accurate at an extremely creepy level. Um, so if there are any first time dads out there and you know, you have no idea what to do cause you've got a, a child in your, in your future yeah. coming up, read dude, you're going to be a dad. Awesome. It is, uh, so helpful. Yeah. I wish I, I don't read and I read that book. So it's it, <laughs> super, yeah, super helpful. That's definitely yeah. a, a big nod if you don't read and you read that book. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, yes. yeah, that would have been helpful. I've got a couple of kids myself and, uh, I did not get to read that. I feel like I want to go back now and read it just to see, see what I missed. I'm sure, I'm yeah. sure I missed something that I would have been helpful along the way. Uh, oh, I know I did too. When I read the thing. <laughs> what is your uh, favorite home cooked meal, Max, whether you're cooking it, someone in your family, but if you were going to have your favorite home cooked meal, what do we eat? at your house. Okay. So my, my mother-in-law and my wife are both like amazing cooks. They pretty much home cook literally everything. Mm. Um, and I, I want to be so careful with this because if they see this podcast, (laughs) 
And here my answer, uh, one of them is going to get angry. Right. Um, marketing because sales. they all have their yeah. specialties. <laughs> yeah, sales and marketing yeah. friction. There's going to be some mother-in-law well, not, friction. Yeah, you can um, definitely answer with yeah. two, two um, answers if you need to. So, <laughs> Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be democratic about this because they both make this. Okay. All right. Oh, there you go. Uh, and it would be chicken cordon bleu. Ooh, so okay. they're just really good at making these awesome, I think it's like chicken with like Swiss oh, cheese. Yeah and ham uh-huh. and it's like breaded and it's just amazing and like i hate swiss cheese <laughs> but i love the chicken cordon bleu right. that they make and it is like every single like last bite of chicken is perfect it's not i get really freaked out by like gristle uh, and like weird bones right. and stuff and, and meat so yeah. uh, it's perfect every single time and it's just it's amazing awesome um one other like runner up my wife made uh butter chicken a little while ago and it's like spicy mm-hmm. like indian like oh, okay. chicken and it was the most amazing thing i'd ever wow. had in my entire life um so Two- shouts out to you crystal if you're watching this but it was just awesome you'll have to share this with her now just to just to get some brownie yeah. points so i'm gonna uh, tell she got a shout out on the podcast <laughs> yeah you're now famous cool. your podcast famous so yeah if you could uh <laughs> next question if you could go back in time 10 years ago mm-hmm from today, what advice would you give yourself, uh, you know, personal or career advice 10 years ago that you know now that you didn't know 10 years ago? Yeah. So I'd say the biggest thing is like, don't, Hey Max from 10 years ago, don't let fear paralyze you from like taking positive steps in your life. Right. So like I always struggled with uh, like just fear of like almost anything. I, I was like a, a, a serial overthinker. Mm. Uh, I had analysis paralysis like crazy with any sort of big decisions I've made in my life. Um, and like, yeah, I, I wouldn't take steps either in my career or in my personal life or, um, you know, really with anything else, just cause like I was totally paralyzed of like the, by the fear of like failing or getting it wrong or not being good at something. Um, and you know, that's something that like over the years I've kind of learned to get over. Like I still struggle with it just a little bit. Um, but like the thing is, is like on the other side of like fear is growth, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't grow as a human without like getting the hell out of your comfort zone right. and, you know, finding those things that scare you and just experiencing them face on or head on just because like that's, that's where you're going to find true growth. So I just, you know, tell you, Hey, like, don't let the fear stop you from doing anything. There's only good stuff on the other side of that fear wall that you're facing. And, you know, I'd give that advice to anyone watching this podcast. Yeah. That's awesome. No, great advice there. Um, finally, you know, where can people find you online, Max? Yeah, I'd say so right now, probably the best place would be just to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is just Max Jacob Cohen. Um, But yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm posting like a lot of my content and my random thoughts I have about inbound, like whenever I have them there, even like the good old inbound meme every once in a while. (laughs) Uh, I've been been trying to flex my LinkedIn meme game, which I don't know how well received it is, but um, try to put as much content up there as I can. So like I definitely say LinkedIn and YouTube probably going to be the best place to find me. Perfect. And we will link to those, uh, the LinkedIn and the YouTube links in the show notes. Um, So if anybody wants to check those out, it's uh, thesaleslift.com. So uh, Max, I just want to say thanks so much. I appreciate uh, appreciate your time today. It's been a great interview. Um, We'll definitely have you back on at some point, uh, but I hope our audience has got a lot of this conversation. I know I have personally, uh, but really appreciate you joining the show. Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. That was super fun. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing another one eventually, yeah. but uh, that was great. Yeah, we'll do it Thanks, again. Man. Thanks. See you. Appreciate much. it. Later. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action and the results will follow. See you next time.